This is the Centre for Independent Studies podcast, What You Need to Know About. This week we're joined by senior fellow Robert Carling, who's going to outline the problems with the superannuation tax proposal that hits people with balances above three million and why this proposal should simply be axed. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Carla. In your recent paper, Superannuation Tax, Why the Proposed Total Balance Threshold Should Be Shelved, you've said that while it's easy to, to take pot shots at people with more than three million, this proposal doesn't pass the test of being in the public interest. Can you elaborate on that for a minute? Well, it, it takes the tax system in undesirable directions, shall we say. It introduces uh, new concepts in the tax system that we should not welcome and, um, and certainly should not be um, extended um, any further. If this is the beginning of uh, you know, taking the tax system in this direction, then it's uh, most undesirable. And uh, yeah. You've said that uh, it's based on a flawed characterisation of the superannuation tax concessions. Can you explain that? Well, we keep hearing about tax expenditures, um, which is the estimated cost of what they call concessions. And they've now put this figure. It used to be $30 billion. That was the figure that was thrown around a lot. Per year? Per year. Yep. And, uh, and now it is $45 billion per year. But uh, this is based on, in the case of superannuation, this is based on treating, uh, ta taxing superannuation uh, like bank, a bank account, a bank interest, um, which would lead to extremely high effective tax rates over the, the very long life of a superannuation account. So there are, there are much better ways to make this calculation and, uh, and one of them, which the Treasury actually did a few years mm -hmm. ago, mm -hmm. came up with a much lower figure. I think it was more like uh, $7 billion than $36 billion was, the, was the, the large estimate at that time. And when they redid the sums on this alternative way of measuring it, which a lot of people um, support, it came out as $7 billion. So a huge difference there. So the, and this is, the, you know, this is part of the, uh, the basis for this new tax measure. And this and the, and the um, claim that the, um, the concession is uh, unduly favouring um, higher income earners. And I also subject that claim to scrutiny in this paper and compare the, um, the distribution of the, the tax benefit from superannuation, compare that with the tax actually paid by each income decile and find that the two are actually not out of line. Uh -huh. So you're saying that um, uh, high income earners get too much from superannuation tax concessions is a bit like the claim 
that the stage under the stage three tax cuts that um, people on high incomes get too much and they're overlooking the fact that they are the ones paying <laughs> the, the lion's share of the tax in the first yes, place. Indeed. So with, as your paper reveals, this figure that's been bandied about, about $45 billion in, in revenue, if they hammer people with uh, superannuation above $3 million, that's it's not going to raise that revenue, is it? No, it's, a, it's odd because um, the Treasury itself comes up with a figure of $2.3 billion once this new scheme is fully operational. They say initially $2.3 billion per year. So in other words, they are clawing back 5% of the alleged $45 billion and leaving the other 95% <laughs> in place. So it all seems a bit strange. But the reality is that because they are not intending to index the $3 million to inflation, um, that $2.3 billion gain would be likely to, to rise over time. It's a, form, it's a new form of bracket creep. creep. If you don't, yeah. you're not indexing the $3 million, then it's a new uh, version of bracket creep because more and more people would become subject to the $3 million threshold. Uh, year by year. And probably eventually everybody. Which brings me to the next question. When this was first launched, of course, the government said this will affect very few people, very few people. But mm. in fact, it's going to affect far larger numbers than they proposed, isn't it? Well, yes, under, um, I think the, the figure was said to be 0.5% of superannuation account holders. Um, but in subsequent um, uh, scrutiny in the parliament, um, it was revealed that the Treasury said that, well, after 30 years, it would be 10%. So we go from 0.5% to 10% over that period. That's, many, many more. Yes. And there are several other uh, criticisms you've made of the new tax, because this is what it is. It's a new tax being, being yes. imposed on people yeah. who have actually worked hard and saved hard with the expectation that they were setting themselves up for their superannuation mm. to not be a burden on the public purse by not needing a pension. And mm. you've said that it, it amounts to a retrospective policy change. Well, yes, it's because um, those $3 million plus balances that exist now were accumulated over presumably quite a few years. Or decades. Or decades under the rules that applied at the time. Mm -hmm. And now it's like saying, well, we don't think those rules should have allowed you to do that. So now we're doing something about it. So in that sense, it retrospectively denying the validity of the rules at the time that allowed these balances to accumulate. But they're doing it in a time machine fashion because often other changes are brought into the system and they are grandfathered so that people who did something according to the rules at the time yeah. 
they don't just go back and say, well, those rules were incorrect at the time, so we're going to penalise you for everything you did under the rules at the time. Well, that's right. Um, a good example of grandfathering was when the capital, original capital gains tax was introduced in 1985, and they said that, well, um, any assets held at that time would not be subject to capital gains tax on, on their next disposal, uh, only after that. Yes. So, um, and there are other examples in history also. And they could have done something similar with this uh, so-called total balance threshold concept. Why do you think they didn't? Uh, it seems it an odd, odd thing to have... It would have, it, it would have um, well, there would have been no revenue at all um, initially if, um, if they had done that, I suppose. Um, and it would, would have taken um, many years to, to generate uh, any significant revenue. I, I can only assume that that's the reason. Do you think that perhaps it was... Um... And also because they think that um, so few people are affected initially that uh, politically it's not the kind of issue it would have been with a failure to grandfather yes. in the case of the capital gains tax. Yes, well, the political aspect was going to be my next question, whether mm. this is one of those things that seems to be that... Because a lot on the left like to follow this eat the rich um, program of every yeah. anybody who has actually worked and saved and has accumulated anything are obviously evil. So this probably pays, plays to that field as well. Oh, no doubt. And from what I've seen, um, the, the proposal when it was announced um, was fairly, uh, fairly well accepted across the, the broad population. But um, probably if they said we're going to tax um, in personal incomes above $1 million, we're going to tax them at, uh, tax them at uh, 60% or 70%, that would be popular also. Yes. But this is populism, and populism is not a basis for sound <laughs> tax policy. Yeah, or, or any sort of sound economic <laughs> measures. Yes. Do you think that perhaps um, in playing to that gallery, they're not actually elaborating on the detrimental aspects of this kind of tax move? Well, they're not—they're uh, not at all. You know, the less that, from the government's point of view, the less that's said about the the detrimental aspects, um, the better. And we've talked about the lack of grandfathering being like a time machine that goes back into the past and punishes you for doing what was right then. There's also they've got a time machine that is going into the future and punishing you for something that hasn't happened yet in that they're talking about taxing unrealised gains. So you're going to be taxed for money you haven't actually made and may never make. Can you elaborate on that a little? Well, that's right. It's because um, the way this thing works, um, the, the tax is calibrated to the increase in your total superannuation balances each year. Um, if you're above three million. Um, so it doesn't matter whether that increase is coming about through cash income received like dividends or rent mm -hmm. or interest or whatever. 
which is actually money received. It can also be simply an increase in the value of an asset during the year, even though you haven't sold it. So in, that is what we call unrealized capital gains. Mm -hmm. So we, we've never taxed uh, capital gains that way in Australia before, and I don't think any other country does. So this is introducing a, a quite a radical new concept. Um, and uh, I wonder if it's a, a sort of a, uh, uh, Mr. Chalmers is, is road testing it for uh, broader use. So you could see that rolled out, do you think, or if you could see that rolled <coughs> out to other aspects as well? Because I mean, this is yeah. really taxing fairy floss. I may have mm -hmm shares in something yeah. that have gone up during the year, but I haven't yeah. sold them and, and acquired that money. But I'm going That's to be right. taxed as if I had. That's right. You may not even have the, the, uh, the money at hand to, to pay the tax. And, um, uh, you know, this, this could, it could go on year after year. A lot of people hold these assets for a long time um, and they're, they're getting taxed year by year on the increase, if there is an increase. And in fact, there are some assets that are not only held for a long time that are passed down through the generations. I'm thinking here in the primary industry sector, of course, with farms, where these yeah. may increase in value and they are, many of them are passed down from parents to children and then to grandchildren who work that land. But if yes. this increases year on year, and, and they are probably never going to sell that farm, but they yes. may have to if they get taxed on an unrealised gain on it. Well, that's right. And um, we don't yet know. I might add that the, the Treasury is beavering away on the legislation for this thing. And we don't have all the details. But you know, one of the questions is what happens if there is a capital loss? How is that treated under this regime? Um, and the the... The effect of taxing unrealised gains is to make the, the burden of capital gains tax um, significantly larger. So if, you, if an asset increases, say, from $100,000 to $200,000 over 10 years, and under the current ta capital gains tax regime, it's taxed uh, with a discount, you know, 50% discount. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but under this new regime that they want to use in this scheme, uh, there's the notional tax paid on the notional gain. There's the actual tax paid on the notional gain every year. And the way this accumulates, you end up paying more tax on that gain than you would under the existing um, type of capital gains tax that we have. So the, the effective burden is much larger. This is, um, a, this fact has not been well publicised mm -hmm. at all. And in addition to that, the discount that you get, well, within the superannuation system, the discount is not 50%, but it's one third. So that discount doesn't apply. So this 15% extra tax that they're talking about, 
is not comparable to the existing 15% tax on superannuation fund earnings. And it's, it's very disingenuous to say that they are comparable. They're not. In, so they're not, they're not just doubling the tax on this income. They are more than doubling, doubling. it. So in effect, some people could end up paying more tax than the asset is worth in the long run too. Well, they could end up paying more capital gains tax under this regime than they would if they held that asset outside of superannuation mm -hmm. and were paying the top marginal rate of personal income tax. So with because they would get the 50% discount in that situation, yes. they could end up paying more capital gains tax under this superannuation proposal than they would if they held it outside of superannuation. This is a, which is crazy. Yes, this is an incentive then for people to remove those assets from superannuation. There is a very powerful incentive to do so. Um, I'm sure that people will go to great lengths to, to get their balances below $3 million. And some people might just give up on superannuation. You know, people are fed up with the chopping and changing mm -hmm. and unpredictability. This may lead some of them to give up on superannuation altogether. Yes, sell their assets and go, well, yeah. I'll have a government pension. Thank Do something you. else. Yeah. It's interesting you said that Treasury is beavering away because my little knowledge of, of beavers is that they spend their time building dams to block the natural flow of things and make sure that things get completely stuffed up. Yes. And I think that describes pretty well what this proposal is going to do. Well, yes, um, they're probably being uh, told how all the, all the unintended consequences and snags in this thing and they're trying to, to work their way around all of that. Well, let's hope we can work our way around to seeing the proposal acts together. Robert, thank you for your time. Thank you, Carla. We'll be back soon explaining what you need to know about the key developments in Australia.